continuing in our study through the book of Ephesians here. Last week was a great challenge to the church, right? And if you missed the message last week, it was pretty foundational in our faith. It's pretty foundational in even leading into this study today. But if you weren't here, I will remind you or I'll share with you that it was about sexual immorality and that we should rid ourselves of it. And that you could hear a pin drop in the sanctuary last week for two services. Now this week, I don't make any promises, but it might be a little less heavy so to speak, a little, maybe not so many pins dropping in the room, but uh, truly a convicting challenge from Ephesians 5 that Paul writes to the church. We need to remember that this is to the church that has allowed for sexual immorality to creep in, to make its way in to our lives. And so as we have that challenge, we move forward from there and really learning how do we work against that, right? How do we, what's the contrary? How do we combat against the sexual immorality that has been creeping into the church for many, many years? Paul wrote it to the church of Ephesus. And now this is still a word for us today. So it's getting worse, right? When you allow a little bit, it just gets, it wants more. The flesh always wants more. And so now, after these thousands of years, the word to the church remains the same, but the immorality perhaps has gotten worse. And so now we have some clarity on how we move forward in walking with Jesus. So verse 8, as it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now, in your Bible, it might have a little heading here. It says, walk in light. Anybody have that in their Bible, right? That's really what the, the message is today. The, the title, if we, I don't do titles. I just, here's the passage. Let's study it. But if we have a title, it would be exactly that, walk in light. How do we get away from the sexual immorality? How do we get away from all sorts of immorality in our lives? Well, the, the short answer is we walk in the light. But what does that look like? Well, Paul says here, you were once darkness. Now, we get to break it down, and we get to try to understand how amazing it is to walk in the light and how essential it is and what it looks like to walk in the light. You were once darkness is where we start. Not you were once in darkness, he says, you actually were once darkness, but now you are light. Now, we have to remember who we were. And throughout Ephesians, we've studied this, we've seen this, we've seen how, how the, the Lord challenges us. Paul challenges us here in Ephesians, and the Bible challenges us to recognize who we are apart from Christ. So before relationship with Jesus... We were darkness. <clears throat> Referring again back to the, the practices of immorality, the practices of darkness that are not fitting for the church. We give recognition to the fact that we were once members of such darkness with the world. But now this is a word to the church. And we all have to come to this realization that we all were once darkness. Every single one of us, we were once darkness. We were once bearing darkness. We were once the representatives of darkness. And some of you guys are like, yeah, absolutely. That was like last week. And some of you, maybe it was a long time ago. And maybe some of you are like, well, I was a good person. So was I really? Yes, you were. Because Ephesians also tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That's who we are. Apart from Christ, before relationship with Jesus Christ, that's who we are. Darkness. But now, he identifies this, you were once darkness. Even saying in a sense, you once had an excuse, right? Right? If you were walking in sin, living out whatever lusts of the flesh that you desire before Christ, well, you had an excuse. You were darkness. 
The world, in a sense, they have an excuse, right? Those who do not have relationship with Jesus Christ, there's no conviction. And so they have a little bit of an excuse. They don't know. But now, and even we, but before Christ, we had an excuse. But now. So that word is to say, however, we no longer have an excuse. There's no reasoning here with the flesh. When we see that here, but now, we don't reason with the flesh. But now, we don't have an excuse. Now, he says, you are light. That's a blanket statement for those who are in Christ. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you claim to be a child of God, as we established in the beginning of this chapter 5, to be imitators of God as dear children... We are to imitate God, and we are to flee from sexual immorality, and we are to walk in the light because we are light. Apart from Christ, we are darkness. Apart, uh, but in Christ, we are light. No more excuses. You are no longer darkness. Therefore, you cannot participate in darkness. It's not who you are. Reminding us again of our identity in chapter two that we studied all about, that our, our identity is in Christ and in Christ alone. Not the identity of the things of the world, not an identity that's found in darkness, but an identity that is found in light as children of light we're gonna get into here. Walk you are light in the Lord. It says here that is in the Lord is that relationship. It's talking about relationship with Jesus Christ. In the Lord, it is in Christ. It is through Christ. As children of God, as we are in Christ, we cannot be partners with immorality. But yet sometimes we try. We claim to be children of God, yet we're trying to partner with the immorality of the world. We're aligning ourselves with it. But this is because there's no, there can be no fellowship between light and darkness. As soon as you turn on the light in a room that's totally dark, you are what? You're eliminating the darkness. Because light drives out darkness. You don't turn on darkness. You don't bring darkness into light. You bring light into darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. In 1 John chapter 1, it says this, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. First John says it so well that walking in the light covers us under the blood of Jesus. You see, we walk in darkness and we try to cover ourselves. We, we live out uh, the lusts of the flesh. We walk in sin, and then we try to cover ourselves. We actually try to hide in darkness, and that's what Paul is trying to challenge us on today. This is our normal practice as people. We try to hide ourselves. We try to hide our sin. We try to keep it in secret. We try to keep it in dark, thinking that if it's in the dark, nobody will know, and it's safe there. But the reality is that walking in the light actually covers us with the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is where we find true fellowship. If we're walking in darkness, we will constantly struggle to find fellowship. 
One of the most common things I hear from people who are walking in darkness, when they are absent from the body, they're not coming, they're not in fellowship with the church because they don't want to be a part of that fellowship. They don't want the light to shine. And you know what they'll often say? I, I feel like I'm judged when I go to church. Maybe it's conviction. Nobody's sitting here judging you. You come to church, we're going to celebrate. Amen, you're in church, you're in a good place. And maybe that judgment, you see my quotations here, so-called judgment, is actually conviction that you're living in sin, you're living in darkness, and you don't want to be exposed to the light. If we're walking in darkness, we will constantly struggle to find fellowship. And maybe you are struggling to find fellowship and you're wondering why. Maybe you need to challenge yourself and look inward and say, where am I walking in darkness that I don't want to be exposed to the light? That I'm pushing out, I'm trying to push out the light and not let it shine down. So as it says here, we're to walk in the light, to walk as children of light. When it comes to biblical morality, there is no gray area, right? There's gray areas in life. There's even so-called gray areas in scripture, right? Things that we, we struggle to completely understand, right? But there's no gray area when it comes to biblical morality. When we're talking about sexual immorality, it's not a gray area. And we, the church, as I said last week, guys, it doesn't fit when you look in the mirror, you're in the fitting room, you look at sexual immorality, you're like, mm-mm, doesn't look good. When we try to partner with or associate with of any sort and we allow it in, we look in the mirror, we say, mm-mm, doesn't look good. It doesn't fit. There's no gray area when talking about morality. You know, we've had couples over the years that we've counseled, we've done premarital with, and, or they, they're just uh, coming to church maybe for the first time, and, and maybe you're one of these couples, I don't know, but there's couples over the years, they'll come, and they're living together, they're living in sin. They're not married, and they're living together, and then, you know, after several weeks at church, they're like, hey, um, we got saved, and we can't live in sin anymore. We're, we're convicted now. We heard the message one, one Sunday, I remember not maybe a year and a half ago, I was teaching a message talking about the woman at the well and when Jesus calls her out and says, you've had five husbands and, and the one you're living with now is not even your husband. And I just called it out. I said, hey, Jesus calls it out. So let's not do that. And then at, that next Sunday, somebody came up we're like, hey, we got married this week because you, you, said, you challenged us and we were living together and we just got saved and we're growing in the Lord and we were convicted and then that word, we had to go get married. Praise the Lord. Don't live in sin. But this is what happens. There's no gray area here. People think, oh, we're living together. It's okay and we have to live together because of our financial situation or because of, of this situation. And they just keep trying to justify. And this is just one area in which people try to justify. But it's very plain. There's no room for it. There's no gray area there. Christians, we should be under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We should turn from immorality and walk as children of light. If we are children of light, we will display characteristics of light. Just like if we are children of God, then we will display godly characteristics. Verse nine, we continue then. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and Truth, The fruit of the Spirit, or as some translations say, the fruit of light. So here's the fruit of walking as children of light. This is what it looks like. It's in all. It's in all goodness. It's in all righteousness. It's in all truth. The fruit of the light can be found in those behaviors. You're not going to find darkness in righteousness. You're not going to find darkness in goodness. You're not going to find darkness in truth. 
Those things are a representation of the light, and they will expose the darkness. This is, of course, these are contrary to the works of darkness. And this is what our conduct should look like. This is the how-to guide. How to walk in the light. How to abstain from sexual immorality. And this, of course, would point us to Paul's writing to the Galatians on the fruit of the Spirit. As he says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And before that, in the whole passage, he's talking about the works of the flesh. A list of things that's very similar to the challenges that are laid out for us here in Ephesians 5. The works of the flesh that are focused on sexual immorality. And now here he's saying, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. All of this, right? We put it all together And this is a representation of what real love looks like. This is a representation of what it looks like to walk in the light. This is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. The works of darkness are not the evidence of the Holy Spirit and cannot be justified for the believer. But we try, don't we? We try to justify. We try to think, well, I did that. Because, fill in the blank, my circumstance, because I had a bad day, because I didn't sleep last night, because I've been struggling emotionally, because of this or that and all the other things that we would try to justify our behaviors with that are ungodly. But we got to call it what it is. It's ungodly. But the fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is present in our lives, is that we would be producing such fruit. When light radiates, it brings about change in our lives. When Dan was up here, he read from Titus chapter 2, the grace of God that has appeared to all men teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. The grace of God is to teach us, to change us, not to just allow us to do whatever we want, not to let us justify our sinful behaviors. The light of should change us, should bring change to our character and conduct. As Christians, we are light bearers. Jesus is the light of the world and lives in us and desires to shine his light through us. So as it says here, walk as children of light. Here's what a, children of, a child of light looks like, verse 9. That is what it looks like to be light. It's not just that we are in the light, but we actually are light. So light, the light of Christ, should radiate from us. Does it? I'll just leave that up to you to ask yourself the question, to challenge yourself. Maybe you go home today and throughout this week. Does the light of Christ radiate out of you? Or are you reverting back to the works of darkness and trying to justify it? We were once darkness means that we are no longer darkness. Verse 10, we continue then, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. To rephrase that would be to say, proving what is pleasing. That's what we're about. As light radiates from us, and we're being changed in character and in conduct, then we're finding out. We're proving what is pleasing to God. 
And through that, then, it's our righteousness, goodness, and truth. That's proving what is pleasing. And listen, guys, it is so much better to live for God's pleasure than for our own. And so much of what Paul is challenging the church on here, it's about the pleasure of man, about pleasing ourselves, about satisfying the flesh and fulfilling these lustful desires of the flesh. And, and Paul says here, no, we gotta find out what pleases God. And all of that, it doesn't please God. But what pleases God is the fruit of the Spirit, is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life, that you are proving that he is God as light radiates from you, that you're proving that he's powerful, that he's wonderful, that he's glorious, that he's full of grace and mercy, that he is good, that he is righteous, and he's full of truth. You see, if we're claiming, if we're putting on the title of Christian, little Christs, right? That's the word. I've said it many times. If we're putting on that title and we're looking like the world, then we're proving God to be a liar is what 1 John tells us. The truth then is not in us. No, we need to prove what is pleasing to God. We need to prove that he is God. Our purpose is to please God. Verse 11, then it says then, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So this is kind of, this is step two here, right? We need to, we need to be children of light. We are light bearers, and all that comes from us should just be radiating light. That's it. That's our purpose, is to do what is pleasing to God and let that light shine through us. But now, step two, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, there's unfruitful works of darkness in those around us, and there's unfruitful works of darkness in us. And Paul says, have no fellowship. Rid yourself of the unfruitful works. There's no connection to the darkness for the believer. So don't hold on to it. Don't have fellowship with it. We established already that there's no fellowship between light and darkness. It's completely impossible. They can't coexist. But now further, there's no fellowship with the unfruitful works, with the unfruitful ways. There's no fellowship with those type of behaviors, but rather expose them. This is specifically pointing out, again, the immorality and, and that they're, we're to take no part with or associate with, as Romans chapter 1 tells us. Don't even associate with them, but rather expose them because that's what is loving. Expose, that word expose is translated to convict. We are actually to call out sin. If we see it, that's not, we don't have to go around like our job, like, okay, I'm the sin inspector, I'm the immorality inspector, and I'm going to find all of the immorality in your life, and I'm going to point it out. Why don't you start here? Okay, that's what Paul first challenges us to as the church, to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness is right here first. But as we see it, as the light would expose and show things that need to be seen, we're not supposed to just stand by. We're not supposed to just be like, well, that's between them and the Lord. We'll say that sometimes. We don't want to get our hands dirty. We don't want to get involved, right? But man, we have to realize that people are destroying lives through immorality. And when we see it, we need to call it out. 
And that's why when we come to scripture like this in Ephesians 5, so many of you last week came up to me and said, I'm thankful to be in a church that will go through and call out what needs to be called out. I'm like, amen, I'll just do it as the scripture provides it. I'm, I'm so thankful to be here in the scripture that says, hey, the light is going to expose the unfruitful works of darkness. You know what is going to happen? Last week, even you know, one, of, um, uh, one of our elders texted on uh, Sunday night and was like, hey, I'm just praying for you this week as there's, there's things that are going to be exposed, right? When we call out sin, there's conviction. There needs to be conviction. And things are going to be exposed. The light shines and exposes things that need to be exposed so that we don't, we don't have fellowship with them, but we can bring conviction. And not always calling it out, but letting our life be the testimony. Because if we are light, then the light of Christ that shines through us will actually make people feel convicted of their own sin. Somebody who's maybe, they're, they're about to engage in some sort of immorality, and you're like, no, not me. I'm, I have a conviction within myself that I shouldn't do that. You don't have to even say, hey, you shouldn't do that. The Bible says it's no good. You could just say, hey, I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to partake in that. And then that person's going to be like, mm, you know what? It's a good point. Or they're going to ignore you and be like, yeah, okay. You Bible thumper. But let the light just shine through and let that bring conviction to other people's lives as well. That the, that the light would expose what needs to be exposed. The light that we shine should expose sin. It should convict others. Have we allowed, first of all, the light of Christ to expose or convict us to lead us in transformation as I referenced last week's message many said hey it was so convicting it was convicting for me to fine tune and to look at the things in our lives that man we just need to be on fire for Jesus and amen I said last week hey if this message is convicting amen what are we going to do about it? Walk in the light and be changed. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. It's shameful. Right? We talked about the fact that nothing is sacred anymore. There's so much shameful things, and that word really could even translate to dirty or filthy. Shameful. It's filthy. The ways of the world are filthy, and it is shameful for these things to even be spoken of. What are done by them in secret to even be spoken of. The sexual immorality of all sorts is getting shoved in our faces. There's a glorification of it, actually, in our society today. Both heterosexual and homosexual immorality shoved in our faces. Along with gender issues and identity issues, all of this shoved in our faces. It doesn't fit for the believer. We established that last week. But further, it doesn't fit to associate with it. It doesn't fit to, to allow for any glorification of it. It doesn't fit for it to get in these ears or through these eyes. It doesn't fit for words of such things to come out of our mouths. It's shameful. And that word is filthy. And what is, I mean, if you're going to allow filthy things in, what do you think is gonna happen? You think it's gonna be good for you? You think it's gonna be okay for you? 
And look, more and more all the time, you turn and there's, I mean, every artist is coming out with more explicit songs every week, it seems, right? And like, well, there's clean version of it. It's still about the same thing. And it's a glorification of immorality is what it's about. That's the majority of what the music is of the world. Or the movies, and we're like, oh, it's okay, I skipped this. We talked about this last week too. It's still about the same thing. It's still glorifying things that are not to be glorified. It's filthy, which then is going to do that work in us. It's going to make us filthy. But, in all, but all things, verse 13, that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. It's only light that exposes the works of the darkness. Because like, the darkness wants to keep darkness darkness, right? The world doesn't want to call out and bring things to light that need to be brought into the light. You know what they want to do? They want to call out other things and say, well, here's the problem in society. No, the problem in society is sin. It's immorality. That's it. That's the problem. No, 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 it's a problem. There's inequality of all sorts. Yeah, because of sin. No, no, you don't understand. No, no, it's sin. And there's no politician that's going to solve it. There's no policy that's going to solve it. And it means more and more clear all the time, isn't it? The problem is sin. And the problem is that darkness wants to remain dark. But the light, the only thing that's going to expose is light. So therefore, we have a responsibility, church. We have a responsibility to shine in the darkness to radiate the light of Christ. All things will be exposed that need to be exposed, even what is done in secret, because God sees, God knows. People have forgotten. This world has forgotten that God knows exactly what's going on in secret. And they will be made manifest by the light. Either here and now or when we get to heaven. That's what light does. It exposes darkness. Whatever exposes the works of darkness is light. And light is of God. Like 1 John says, God is light. So whatever, whenever there's darkness that's exposed, we can remember this. God's the one who allowed it to be exposed. Maybe there's some parent uh, and kid conflict among us in the room, right? And parents, you find out something, your kids, maybe last week when I said, hey, take your kids' phones and see what's going on on their phones. Maybe you did that, and you're like, oh, boy, we got some stuff we got to address. And the kids are mad at you. Maybe, oh, you, that's my privacy. <laughs> Sorry. God, first of all, God put that parent in your life to be able to call you out and to direct you and disciple you in righteousness. Second of all, God allowed to be exposed whatever needed to be exposed for your well-being. It's not because they invaded your privacy. If you're a kid, you don't actually get any privacy. (laughs) Parents are saying, preach it. Kids are like, hey... (laughs) but it's only God who allows for these things to be exposed God exposes things for our sanctification because it's what's good for us and we can't just turn a blind eye that would keep us in darkness so many people hide Maybe you're hiding. Maybe you're thinking you've got things in secret that can just remain in secret. You're trying to remain in darkness. 
thinking that it will protect others or it keeps things comfortable. Stop hiding. I've shared this before. I just, it's so fitting. And some of you maybe haven't heard it before, but cockroaches. We lived in the Bahamas, my wife and I. There's a lot of cockroaches there. It's a third world country. You might think living in the Bahamas is nice. We didn't live in a resort. Um, everything else is not a resort on the islands, on many islands. But anyway, we were living in the Bahamas and... There was a night, we're sleeping, and I feel this on my face. And I jump up out of bed. At first, I thought it was my wife's hand. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. Can you move that? I'm thinking. I'm just going to, like, gently, like, okay. And then I realized that's n- she's not here. She's over there. What is- I jump up, and I whack this thing across the room, and I flick the light on immediately. And uh, my wife is like, what? What is it? I'm like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) I told her the next day, but I wanted her to be able to sleep through that night. But the reality, I I jumped up and what do I, and then the rest of the night, I'm like, let's just sleep with the light on. She's like, that's weird. Okay, you know, go to sleep. Why do I want to sleep with the light on? Because that cockroach doesn't like the light. It's going to seek out the darkness. It's going to remain in darkness further in the Bahamas. You walk into a dark room, right? You flick on the light, and they scurry. You see them scurry. Oh, oh, find the darkness. There's all sorts of stories of the Bahamas that I have about Animals, creatures that love darkness and don't like the light. But anyway, we'll just stick with the cockroaches. Don't be cockroaches. <laughs> it's that easy, right? We think about, oh, no, of course I'm not. But spiritually speaking, let's just think for a moment. When the light is on, when the light turns on, do we scurry and do we hide Or do we allow for the light to expose so that we could be sanctified? That we could actually enjoy the light of Christ and that we could actually be in fellowship with the body of Christ because we have fellowship with God. Dwelling in darkness puts a divide in our fellowship with God. Stop hiding in darkness. We can go all the way back to Adam and Eve. They tried to cover themselves. They were hiding from God, and that brought the separation of fellowship. God was looking for them in the garden for fellowship. And they were hiding from God, and they were covering themselves. God would have us stop hiding. He says, where are you? We're trying to cover our own sins, but, but rather we can allow him to cover us instead with the blood of Jesus. That we might be clothed in his righteousness rather than our own self-righteousness. Verse 14, therefore he says, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Wake up. Light brings life. So here's great news in the midst of all this. We're challenged, right? Paul is laying it on us. We are challenged by this about our our morality and walking in the light and walking with Jesus. And now he's like, but listen, Here's the thing, light is not to expose the dark so that you're miserable. Light brings life. We have been made alive in Christ, and life needs light. Life cannot truly, properly grow without light. And this here is a cross-reference, a paraphrase of Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2, but it's giving a picture of the light of the sun rising. Awake, you who sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you life. 
Each day as the sun rises anew, we should be reminded and we should be awakened to the light of Christ. Allowing him to rid us of the unfruitful works of darkness that he may give us life. New mercies every morning. And we'll close with this. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 to 14 says, And do this knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Same thing Paul said in Ephesians 5, awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Paul sums it up very well in Romans chapter 13. Put on Christ, who is the armor of light, who exposes darkness and covers us with his great grace. Wake up. As believers, we gotta wake up. Arise from the dead. We have been made alive in Christ. We got to stay awake. Wake up. Next week we're going to get further into this. What What do we need to do when we wake up? Wake up and be alert. Understand what's going on. As Paul says in Romans. Knowing the time. Jesus is coming. Don't wait. It's time to wake up. It's time to allow the sun to shine in our lives. To rid ourselves of darkness and to be a light that would expose the darkness of the world that people would truly surrender their lives to Jesus. The shining of the light is for sanctification that we might walk in righteousness. And that we might point people to Jesus to also walk in righteousness for his good pleasure. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word and your grace. We pray that you would just, you would just move in our hearts now. Draw us to yourself. Do the work that needs to be done. Expose the things that need to be exposed in our own hearts, Lord, to ourselves. We deceive even ourselves. So, Lord, I just pray for a surrender. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, know that that's where it all begins. Maybe you've, you are convicted and you need to surrender your life to Jesus. If you've never done that before, I want to give you this opportunity. Give your life to Jesus. Awake, you who sleep. Rise from the dead. Life without Christ is death. It's meaningless. So would you give your life to Jesus today? Would you surrender to him? Would you invite him in to be your Lord and Savior? Because he loves you because he died for you, because he rose from the dead and he gives you the opportunity of a gift of eternal life. Give your heart to Jesus. If you'd like to do that today, I invite you, would you raise your hand? God bless you, man. Anybody else? You wanna give your heart to Jesus today? Would you put up your hand? God bless you. Amen. Anybody else?
I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer in a moment. If that's you, anybody else, if you need to raise your hand, you need to give your life to Jesus today. Don't fight. I just read in Romans chapter 13. Know the time. Jesus is coming. Things are getting worse and worse. What are we waiting for? Wake up now. Come to life in Christ now. If that's you, if you need to do that, would you put up your hand? Anybody else? Anybody else? You guys who raise your hand, you could pray this prayer with me. And as I always say, it's not magical words of this prayer, but it is the work that Christ is doing and has done in your heart. And you're just surrendering your life. It's a profession of faith. You say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender to you. And I invite you in to be my Lord and my Savior. I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the dead. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you guys. What, what a great decision and a great commitment. Uh, would you, after service, just stop by our prayer room, which is right out this door immediately on the left. Somebody just wants to encourage you, pray with you, and help you get started in your walk with the Lord. Let's all stand as we worship the Lord together.
in our hearts. May we not leave this place and leave your presence here. Lord, but take you with us into our homes, our workplaces, wherever else we go this week. Lord, be holy forever. We love you. We praise you. And together we say, amen. God bless you guys. Have a good week.